This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. At the heart of this method is the unveiling of our deepest sense of self, experienced as pristine stillness, vibrant aliveness, and fundamental well-being. Valeria Tellez interviews Michael Leiden, the senior practitioner of the Realization Process, a form of guided body-focused meditation for spiritual awakening, transformative healing, and embodied wholeness. Michael Leiden has a background in social work, and practices as senior practitioner of the realization process, a form of guided, body-focused meditation for spiritual awakening, transformative healing, and embodied wholeness. Michael holds full certification from Judith Blackstone in all three realization process trainings, including embodiment, meditation, and healing ground, with additional certification in advanced trauma repair. Michael offers guided realization process practices for awakening, healing, and spiritual embodiment via Zoom in the form of classes, groups, and private sessions. Michael specializes in helping individuals release stress-based holding patterns related to trauma, energy blocks, and limiting beliefs. Meet Michael at realizationconsulting.com. Here is the interview with Michael Leiden. In your own words, who is Michael Leiden? So, in my own words, um, in, in, in what, at what level do you want to have that conversation? <laughs> <laughs> any level, at any, whatever comes to mind. So, in terms of what I do, I'm a um, practitioner of something called the Realization Process, which is a body-focused, non-dual or uh, spiritual meditation that also has many healing elements to it. And so I I work as an independent practitioner of that, helping people to, um, for instance, undo traumatic holding patterns that are in their bodies, as well as um, I I tend to work with a lot of meditators because um, this method is a healing method and also considers these broader dimensions of consciousness or being that also have innate healing potentials. And you could say uh, potentials for helping us mature and refine our consciousness. Yeah, I love that. I love what you do and everything that is about. And I have lots of questions for you, as I have for everyone who I talk to about spirituality, healing, and everything else in between. What is healing to you? Is that a a destination, a place that we arrived, or this kind of understanding, or it's something that's ongoing? Well, it's, it's it's always ongoing, I think, to some extent. Yeah. depending on how you might define healing. 
I, I think that one one aspect of healing is moving towards integration or wholeness. Mm, yeah. So there's always going to be, you know, resolving some sort of internal conflict or some sort of internal um, resolving some internal ignorance or things of that nature, or, you know, learning how to cooperate better with others, (laughs) you know, (laughs) things, things that seem basic, but are just an ongoing life process always. Yeah. So, so I think that, that it's, it's both, it's, it's a process and we can, you know, we can know when we're making meaningful advancements in that process. And we can know, you know, for instance, when our love for ourselves and our love for others deepens, Mm. that is like a, you know, a key milestone or, or, or a signal uh, sign that we're, we're moving along that process. I love this idea to come to this point as human beings to um, that understanding that everything's connected, that we can trust loving ourselves and others at the same time, at the same level. That sounds like the ultimate uh, realization from my perspective. Um, another question I have for you, it's about the realization process. How did you come across this method? So my friend, um, somebody that I worked and volunteered with at the time, invited me to go to a new, uh, to a, um, a New York City used bookstore. Yeah. And we, we were both working in New York City at the time, and there's this bookstore down in the village. We were going to drop off some old books and just look around and it was one of my favorite pastimes to look at, you know, spirit, <laughs> yeah. spiritual books and used used esoteric books and that sort of thing. Yeah. So I, I saw this book and it, the name just sort of stood out to me on the shelf. It was called The Enlightenment Process by Judith Blackstone. And, you know, I picked it up, looked at it, and immediately I knew that this person, you know, knew what they were talking about in terms of subtle energy. It was clear that they were quite sensitive, uh, Judith, that is. And um, it just so happened that she's also a New York psychotherapist. Mm. I said, okay, this is somebody that I think I'd I'd want to work with um, because I was exploring different healing modalities at that time. And so that's how I I learned about the realization process. It just was what I believe now is a kind of synchronicity because like finding a used book in a bookstore just made such a ultimately led to such a big impact in my life. But, uh, so I, I, I worked with Judith with some individual sessions, just learning this method. And then, um, she invited me to do a training. So she was doing trainings in New York city at that time on, um, various different aspects of non-dual body focused meditation and healing practices that, you know, collectively are the realization process. And so I, I did three years of, uh, training with her certification um, plus some additional certification some years later. And that's the, that's the long and short of it. How did that change for you, the way you used to live life or your perspective about yourself and life before the realization process, getting to become a senior practitioner on that? Tell me a little bit about the before and after. Great question. So before, I mean, I was, I was suffering a lot in my 20s and early 30s um, because, you know, just had, I had a lot going on in life, you know, right. relationship issues, um, work, volunteer issues, just, just a lot going on. Yeah. And, and also, <laughs> yeah, and that I think was bumping into like earlier, you know, r- relational traumas and, and things like that. It was just, you know, bumping into those things, yeah. um, all the stress that I was going through at that time. 
So I tried a few different types of therapy. I, I feel that I was also deeply interested in, in spirituality and, and what it means to uh, what it means to evolve spiritually and, and all of that. Um, and again, to move towards that that sense of wholeness. In that search, I'd come across people who would say things like, "Oh, you know, there's nothing you can do to wake up. You really can't do anything. It's just God's grace." Or on the other side, there were people who had techniques and had methods, but they didn't seem to get at a certain level of experience or understanding. Yeah. In, in Judith's way of teaching, we could say that the, the ground of our being is an effortless state. So in some meaning, it's true that there's nothing that you have to do to get there right. because part of you is there, right. but, but it is necessary to, to sort of un, un, unwind contractions in the body or in the mind-body system mm, yeah. to kind of look beneath and feel beneath the separate sense of self in order to feel into the ground of our being. And so there is, we, we do have to do some deliberate practice to actually realize what we are. You said part of you, uh, it's already there, meaning whole, but there are other parts of us that are not. That really resonates true to me. And it seems like this constant dance and movement toward this wholeness. It seems like we touch base with that from my experience and then we just lose it for a moment again into the, uh, let's say, unhealed parts of ourselves. So when it comes to those parts that are not healed yet, you call them actually stress-based uh, holding patterns uh, related to trauma, energy blocks, and limiting beliefs. What are some of the signs? How do we learn to recognize these patterns? Oh, you can recognize them at many levels. Yeah. Um, so you could you could recognize them in basically any form of suffering that you have. That's that you you sense whether more distinctly or more vaguely that is mentally generated or mm. psych psychogenic. We could say right. any suffering that has to do with our underlying um, felt sense of what what we are. You know, our felt. I guess you. Some people like to use the, the word identity, although that's a that's a little too conceptual. Identity is part of it, but there's also, for instance, like if you had if a person had an experience of learned helplessness when they were a baby, and then in their 20s or 30s they don't remember that, but still it affects the way that they experience the world. That's something that's beneath identity in the way that we normally think about identity. But but when we're talking about holding patterns, we're talking about um, somatic memory and a level of the body that that knows the pain that it has been through and a relationship between the mind and the body where there's a holding of that pain an unconscious holding of that pain and so if we're able to actually feel into the level at which the pain is held then we can release it from that level and that's that's a lot of you know that's part of the collect the collection i guess of methods in the realization process that really sounds to me, it makes sense at all levels. It really does make sense. And a question that I often ask is the, um, this enlightenment or this deeper understanding about what life is and who we are, being touched with the wholeness. If we can do that often enough, uh, would you say that that is um, a good practice that can lead us to release these pain and traumas in the body? Is that possible in a way to go 
in that direction, coming from wholeness and then healing the other parts of ourselves instead of trying to heal the parts separately? Um, yeah, I, it, can, it can be both and. Um, yeah. Because, for instance, right, if, if you and I were to do a little exercise right now, yeah. for people that are listening to this that are experienced meditators or contemplatives, then this might make more sense. And for, for the average, you know, for, I guess, somebody that doesn't perhaps have that experience, I would just invite them to be, to be open to what I'm about yeah. to say, which is, might sound controversial. Right. But, but for instance, right, if we're just feeling into our field of experience, meaning that our, the, all of our senses, our sense of inside the body, our sense of our environment, right? Yeah. And that's what I mean when I say field of experience. Yeah. And we feel into our emotional level, right? Mm-hmm. Well, where do emotions occur? They happen in the internal space, the body, and they happen, you know, in the chest and the midsection around that area. And we can kind of feel a container in the body for those emotions, right? And if we feel into the kind of openness of that container, the kind of availableness, we can already feel something like love in the background Mm. as a kind of acceptance or a kind of emotional, spiritual warmth and so on. Mm. Now, if, if we feel into the level of being that is beneath that container of the body. And this is, a, you could say, an aspect of consciousness. You know, we can feel this consciousness through the body as well, but we can also feel it on a more subtle level as if love existed everywhere. Mm, uh, this right. might sound far out, but we can, you know. Yeah, I know not that, to me though, yeah. <laughs> no, not to yeah. you. I know that you, this, this is, yeah. You, you've you've had that experience, if I'm understanding, yes. if I if I've understood you correctly before, yes. is that right? Yes, yes, absolutely, yes. Yeah, it's like yeah. once a person really is able to find that unconditional level of acceptance or love for themselves, mm-hmm. then that's when some of these other realizations become clear mm-hmm. that there is this kind of love that some people have called the you know, talked about as like the love of the universe or th- you know things like that yeah. that are there beneath the emotional level of our own body that are at some finer level of consciousness mm. so yeah i love this idea and then from that mike what would you say is the next level of um, going deeper into the healing or not even healing but being in touch with the wholeness in my case, it was self-love, self-acceptance, and then expanded to some sort of ex- acceptance of everything else around me, the way it is, life, the way exactly the way it is, other people. I'm wondering for you or someone else or other clients of yours, how did that happen from that place if they had that experience of unconditional love what happened next? What was the next level? So it, that is really going to depend on the person. I guess if you're asking, if you're asking me, I, I think that in some ways I tried to try to aspire to be, you know, someone that tries to help others and that sort of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. And and at the same time, there was an emotional dimension of that missing. And so when I started to do that work of, you know, I mean, I've, I've always been doing that work most of my adult life in some form or another um, of trying to find those deeper levels of acceptance. Right. But, um, you know, when I, when I've gotten underneath certain things, then it just starts to open up more and more. 
it's it's almost like mm-hmm. you can feel into that level where you can feel kind of the love of the universe. You can feel this, you know, unconditional love that's everywhere. Yeah. And that's, you know, you can do that through attunement practices, but it's almost like something in the body kind of holds us, uh, ho- holds us in its gravity so that we're not, we're not fully there yet. Right, right. <laughs> so, so it's, I guess it's a, right. you know, I, I hope I'm answering your question, but it, for me, it's, it's like, it's a mix of doing release work where you're releasing the contractions in the body or you're releasing the emotion or the, you're feeling into and releasing the point of view that you held when you were, for instance, you know, a teenager and you felt like the world, your, your, both your soul and the world were a bit dark. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And, and uh, you're, you're releasing all of that. And at the same time, you're feeling into the unconditional love of the universe and you're sort of, you're, you're inviting both those experiences at the same time. And you can use the experience of the love of the universe to help support you in mm-hmm. releasing those holding patterns. You can release holding patterns as a means to rest more deeply into the love of the universe. Mm-hmm. It's sort of, I see it as both and, you know. Yeah. So I guess one thing that I would say is that like, what got me into trouble in the past was um, thinking that I needed to just, you know, get rid of all my mm-hmm. uh, feelings or emotions right, and right. just transcend them, so to speak. Yeah. And that just never worked, you know, because right. already that creates a kind of positionality where we're divided against our experience or that where I was d- divided against my own experience. And uh, th- I th- to me, non-duality means that we have a non-adversarial relationship with our experience, that there's not mm-hmm. um, a fixed point of, there's not a fixed point of view that we're clinging to in some way. Wow. And uh, yeah. Some call that surrender. Would you say that too? Use that word. I was more against that word when I was younger. <laughs> yeah, but, but oh, sure. For, for some people, the word surrender really works. For for me, I, you know, I, I often will use the term relax <laughs> because it's it's not as loaded. But you know, can we relax into this? Can we relax into that? And you know, just relax our mental grip on our experience. That's a pointer from the realization process. And uh, that that I see as equivalent for the most part with with the notion of surrender i think so by surrender do you mean that we're kind of you know as the expression goes you let go you let god or yeah you don't have a fixed point of view that you're clinging to right and you you just rest into your trust of in all that is right you know there, there has to in, in order for every problem that yeah. exists i think there involves some trust true yeah. Well, I don't know if all problems, but but d- the deeper problems, there, it involves some trust of all that is to um, for grace, I guess you could say, to, to kind of come in and take you to a higher or a deeper level of understanding, you know, so that there's no more conflict. Yes. It, what I wonder often, I ask the question to lots of non-duality teachers that I interview is if it is really possible to navigate this reality without a belief system, without center, without any concepts, no ideas. Is that really possible? No. Right. <laughs> That's what <laughs> no, I No, it's not. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> and, and so this is, um, this is something that I, you know, I thought about too, and I've, I've taken a lot of classes that have also been, you know, life-changing and very powerful uh, yeah. from someone named Jeffrey Martin. Um, he's, he created the finders course and many, many other similar evidence-informed meditation classes um, he's, a, he's a social scientist that's interviewed probably thousands of wow. people who are somewhere along the non-duality continuum. Yeah. And 
you could look at the mind as just one level of experience. And then there are dimensions of experience that are beyond what we normally consider the normative mind. So for people that are pretty stabilized in non-duality, they, they notice that they can just speak without thinking. And then they make the conclusion that th therefore there are no thoughts that lead to, to speaking. They can just think, they can just speak spontaneously. But there is some, like, I guess you could say there is some procedural program within the brain or the mind that knows how to speak and that knows how to form words. Sure. It's just that that is going on autopilot and the thoughts you could, I know this sounds weird, uh -huh. but my point of view on this right now, which I'm, it's, I'm open to changing, but what seems the most likely is that the thoughts are there. We're just not aware of them, mm, you know? Yeah. Um, right. So and here, so here's, I'm going to invite everyone to, to do a little exercise if, if that's okay. Yeah. Just to, I'm going to demonstrate exactly what I'm saying right now. So yeah. see if I can, can demonstrate this idea. Yeah. So if anybody wanted to still their mind right away, so there's a premise within this work of, you know, body-focused non-dual meditation that where and how our consciousness is oriented in our body and how we focus through the internal space of the body affects how we feel and it affects how we experience the world. So, for instance, right, most of us, when we look out to the world, our window to the world feels like it's right behind our eyes. Mm, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, very much. Yes. Okay. So what we can do is rest back through the internal space of our brain so that we can feel like we're looking out from the center of the head. Yeah. Can you feel that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now rest back a bit further as if there was like a little lounge chair or something <laughs> in, the, in the back part of your brain and just rest back there for a minute. So it's as if you're feeling and living from that space. And as you're back there, do you notice any conscious thoughts arising? For some reason, sounds, everything surrounding me, like the sound of your voice and the car noise, that is, it's really, yeah, it's up front. It's right here. I, I can feel them. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, do you notice thoughts? Like, do you notice narrative thoughts when you're back there? No. no. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's what I mean. There seems to be a correlation between... And I, I don't know if this is all cases, but in a lot of cases of non-dual realization, we can feel like we're living in deeper aspects of the mind-body system. And it almost feels like a person's living more deeply in themselves, which feels like it's living more deeply in the in the brain and the nervous system and the, the whole mind-body system. Um, we can feel the core of our body as a kind of, um, you know, a pillar of stillness that's deep, deep in the core. So but anyway, I, um, but, but that, that was my point. The, the point of that exercise was that we can feel, we can already feel into a level where there's not uh, narrative thought, Yeah. Right. but the, but those thoughts and that programming is still there. Like yeah. we, we would, uh, unless we had learned something beforehand uh, at, at the intellectual level, if somebody asks us something, and we respond, even if we're not responding through, through thinking, we'll still say, I don't know. Yeah. So, the, so there's some, there's some part of the brain or the mind that still informs this mm. 
sense of stillness where the, where we where people live when they're in non-duality land. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it still informs them uh, as to what to say, although it doesn't it doesn't need to manifest as conscious thought in, in order in order to form sentences and so on. Sorry, I didn't mean for that to be. I didn't mean to go on a tangent there, but but that but that's that's my that's my present thinking about about that. That really makes sense, and I could feel like yeah, deeper in the body, right? The rest, that place, yeah, of um, just um, awareness of surrounding of where the body is, with no narrative, yeah, no stories, nothing, not trying to describe anything or differentiate. But you're saying basically that's not, even when we speak, we are using beliefs. We're still using that navigation system that we have learned. It has been learned all that when it comes to language, right, Michael? Because non-duality in whatever the spiritual world, the unseen world is, they don't use language, (laughs) not as we know it. Um, So that makes a lot of sense to me. And with that in mind, I do have a question for you about the soul you mentioned briefly about that word. What is the soul to you? Did I mention that? When did I say that? <laughs> yeah, you said something about the uh, having the dark parts of the soul, the dark moments in the past that we have had, and you mentioned briefly the word soul. Okay. Okay. I see. Yes. So yeah. darkness in our soul when yes. we're a teenager. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That. that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yes. I was being poetic there, but um, yes. So, um, the, so the soul. I mean, in my experience, there's different. Okay, so if we want to consider the soul as um, an aspect of consciousness that is transcendent, it, you you could say that it's the aspect of our consciousness that maybe goes from lifetime to lifetime. Yeah. Um, that transcends the physical body, but that is also in every in every cell of the physical body right but you know you can also if we're talking about just that that uh kind of individual consciousness that goes from lifetime to lifetime then yeah that that's what the soul is um that's i mean and there, there's there's dimensions of consciousness that are deeper than the experience of being an individuated soul even right. so but but yeah but that's i would say that's what the soul is is that also a belief system, would you say, the idea of the soul? And even the this continuation is just part of the dream, part of belief systems? No. There, I mean, there's there's legitimate, you know, experiences that people have. I mean, people believe that not even, I don't, I don't even want to use the word believe, but let's say with, with all the folks that talk about non-duality on here, they're talking about non-duality because they've had a direct experience of it. Right, right. Right. And, or, or I, at least that's my assumption. And so if you had, maybe, maybe try to get Jürgen Ziva or somebody like that on here. Jürgen is somebody who's, um, he's an author that's written about enlightenment and non-duality, but he's also somebody that's written books on um, exploration of different dimensions that are beyond the physical, you know, in states of consciousness that are as lucid as the waking state or more lucid. And there, there's a lot of other authors that have talked about that as well. So the thing is that if, if you imagined living in a culture, for instance, where everybody was a conscious, you know, out-of-body explorer, where when they went to sleep at night, 
they didn't have, you know, just normal dreams and that sort of thing, but they were just, they, they were fully aware or super aware and their soul was traveling around and doing things. And that, you know, they were talking to the people who were between lifetimes and interviewing them and <laughs> making, you know, making friends out there and all, all of that. You know, if, if that were just the common experience within a culture or within the culture that we lived in, right. then we would we would have different premises about whether the soul is real or not real. Yeah. You know, it, it wouldn't even be a question. True. And so when I was 17, I, I read a book on out-of-body experiences. And I, I grew up in a household that was, my parents didn't raise me religiously, but I was, they, we all had spiritual interests. Yeah. And so I, I had uh, read, you know, gone through some of the books in the religion section of the bookstore. And then they all said different things. I read books on near-death experiences, and then that's where people really started to say, okay, this is what seems to happen when you die, and here's what it's like, and yes, there is a soul, and yes, there are these beings that help us, and so on and so forth, yeah. and there is, you know, there is a God, and this is the experience of it, and um, I thought, you know, the only way that I'm going to do this is, or the only way that I'm going to find this out for myself, I wasn't about to get into a car accident, but... <laughs> <Right, I'll> <laughs> There, I found books on uh, this thing called astral projection or out-of-body mm. experiences. Yeah. And so it's not actually that hard to do. Like if you if you apply techniques to have lucid dreams and then within a lucid dream, you say, okay, now I want to be out of my body. That's pretty much all you have to do. I mean, it's not, it's not hard to do that. And so um, it took me about, oh, I don't know, two months, something like that, two or, two or three months maximum. I read a book by um, an author named William Buhlman called uh, Adventures Beyond the Body, and then um, applied the techniques, had some experiences, and yeah, it's it, everything that he said was true mm, right, <laughs> um, right. in terms of the, the soul being able to leave the body and knowing that there's there's a non-physical dimension out there. Uh, and, you know, we visit that dimension less consciously often when we dream or if we have lucid dreams. But anyway, I, I know I'm giving a long-winded answer here, but no, the, the assumption that there is no soul and that consciousness doesn't um, live beyond the body. I mean, some non-duality teachers will say, well, because there's no self, what what is it that continues mm, yeah, right. beyond the, um, you know, beyond, beyond the body? Right. And that's wrong. <laughs> that, that, is, that is a wrong belief that they have. Um, you know, I've, I've, mm -hmm. I've, I have, I have friends yeah. who are contemplatives who are pretty far advanced who will say things like, well, you know, I, I think that they, they pretty much just what I said, oh, because there's no self, what is it that's going to live beyond the body? And then within a few years after that conversation, mm -hmm. the person had a number of experiences, a number of synchronicities and all these different things that gave them their own experience of this non-physical dimension. And so like, you can't, I, I couldn't really convince anybody that that's there, but it's it's an experience that is available if people wanted to, you know, get if, we, if somebody wanted to resolve their fear of death or something like that, then you know, things like astral travel and out of body type experiences can be helpful. In a way, it's just an experience, isn't it, Michael? And experiences are not per se real. Experiences are neither real nor not real. Yeah, they just they just are. So if you said, for instance, one thing that non-duality does bring is the sense of uh, of of suchness. And so I, I hope I'm not going to butcher a Buddhist term here, but but <laughs> my my impression of suchness <laughs> means that 
if you perceive something, you don't, you neither perceive it as full or empty of itself. It just mm. is. And mm. I'm, I feel like I'm failing at describing this. No. It, it's like, it it's sense. like this. You, you look at, you look at a cup on the table yeah. and you can say, that's a cup. But if you, if you really, if you really feel into, or if you, if you really try to believe, let's say hard, this is a cup. Yeah then you're already superimposing a kind of conceptual definition onto the actual direct experience of what's happening. Mm. Um, and so that doesn't mean that the cup doesn't exist. Right. It just, it means that it, it's, it's an experience that just is. So mm. you could say that the soul is a level of experience that just is, uh, in the same way that the body is a, is a level of experience uh, of the world that just is. God probably is a yeah. level of, exper of experience of, of the universe. You know, cosmic consciousness uh, is, is a level of experience of the universe that just is. You know, we don't, we don't have to make it into something else other than what it is. So we're almost at the end. Um, I think you have been talking, we have been talking about some of the components of the class that you offer, the free recorded classes and meditation tracks. But if you have not, if we have not discussed all the elements and the aspects of your teachings, please um, talk to me now about them. Would you like to add anything? Sure. I, I have a different, uh, I guess you could say, a different roster of classes or a different, uh, what's the word? A different, you know, different classes on the schedule yeah. every, every month. Um, one of the classes that I run pretty frequently is a class called uh, trauma repair intensive. And that class is, um, I, I, I feel like somehow my work just caters to mm -hmm. meditators who yeah. have people, people that, that are spiritual and they're interested in spiritual development and they run into a block Right. And they want to be in an environment where it's not just dealing with the local sense of self or the, or the ordinary mind. That it's it's actually bringing in a level that's deeper to help really get underneath the you know the issue. And so yeah. I do a class called Trauma Repair Intensive every month. That's um it's limited to five people. You know it's 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 group it's group healing basically. And in addition to that, I do things like. Um, I do experiential book club classes, which are, uh, you know, classes where we study, for instance, a book by Judith Blackstone, and we just apply the meditation practices that are in that book. Pretty straightforward. I, I also work with people on an individual basis. I do, I actually do a lot of free classes too for the meditation communities that I'm in. And, uh, you know, if people, if anybody wanted to meet one-on-one -on -one and wanted to know what that was like, then I'm, I'm happy to meet with them, you know, for a free consultation. But um, that's pretty much what I do. I mean, the, the other thing that I will do, I'll do sometimes is um, this is generally like, you know, twice a year for the time being, I'll do uh, like 10 week immersions. So if somebody wanted to really practice, you know, they, if, they, if they were willing to practice meditation every day, various techniques that help us under, you know, uh, help us feel into and get a sense for this non-dual, you know, this underlying non-dual consciousness or the ground of our being, then I offer classes like that as well. So, but that's, that's the, for the most part, what, what I'm, what I'm doing at least right now. <laughs> yeah. Right. It sounds really great to me. Yeah, wonderful. Really. 
anything that has to do with finding this, not even finding, uncovering, right, Mike? It's really uncovering, not finding anything. It's uncovering, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love that word that you use, relax, yeah, the place of rest. So my last question to you is, what are three things about life you wish everyone would know before they leave the body? So is this something that they know or that they've experienced or, or both? But like if I could give people an experience or, or, or just kind of tell them something. <laughs> yeah, it could be something even that they have never experienced that you wish they had experienced before they leave the body. So it's like if I could if I could send everybody a package in the mail yeah. and when they if I could send them three packages <laughs> and when they open those packages they would get three experiences oh, what would they be That sounds great yeah I love that yeah <laughs> Okay so those three experiences what would they be uh, Okay so the the first box would be um, when they when they opened it up they felt and knew with absolute certainty that there's this kind of perfume of, of love that is everywhere mm. and that can be that can be sensed directly and that that is the love of the universe or the love you could say the love of the divine and that that's also part of them it's part of their being they're not separate from it and that that it's, it's unconditional it's always it's always going to be there and uh even in their darkest moments it's still going to be there deep down mm. so I, that's one that's let's call that one one box yeah okay. i love that <laughs> that's fun <laughs> that, too <laughs> that, that's like that's that's i feel like that one is like yeah. that would probably that would complete my life i don't know if i'd like never mm. learned anything else <laughs> that would probably like complete my life true um yeah. yeah so the second one would be i guess the second one would be a direct seeing feeling and knowing that we're all one that all all humans in some way are part of the same, you could say at some level, the same consciousness. Right. Not, I mean, it, it doesn't mean that if Valeria stubs her toe, Michael's going to feel it. <laughs> yeah. Right. I <laughs> hope <laughs> not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe, maybe we'll set up an experiment sometime to see true. if we can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. To be experienced, um, experienced it. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, at some level we're all one and that it, it, it's really therefore important to, um, to look at each other that way, you know, um, and to, 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 to be open to receiving, you know, feedback from other people and to also, you know, have the desire to help others in some way that, that you say that desire, I think comes from this notion that we're all one. Okay. The third thing would be a fully lucid out-of-body experience or, or simulated near-death experience that where somebody doesn't have to get injured, but they just they, they open the box and all of a sudden their consciousness is communing with the light of life in a non-physical space and they understand that we don't really die. Oh, I absolutely love the way you presented the package as a gift. That's beautiful. Wow. That would be an amazing article even. <laughs> if you write that article, please send it to me. I would love to post that on the Fit for Joy blog. That's really beautiful. I love your wisdom. I love your clarity. I love your authenticity. Thank you, Mike, for everything that you do in the sense of purpose, which is really awareness that uh, of who you are, and you're just expanding from that place. So it's really a rising of the knowing. 
So thank you for sharing that with me and everyone else who listens to this. Yeah, my my pleasure. Thank thank you for thank you for having me on here. Thank you. Yeah, I, I appreciate the, the work you're doing as well. Just get, getting this out there and sharing your own wisdom about the the, the non, I guess how we enter into the experience of non duality and being able to experience that unconditional love that you write about in your books. That for most part, we don't need terms and concepts. I know we call it non-duality. Some people call it enlightenment and so many words we use. But it's silence is really um, what says it all. Uh, it's in silence that we find that. Uh, all the components of the packages that you speak of, <laughs> something that you believe in, meditation. So by meditating, you can you can be in touch with those gifts for sure. So before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your work, services, and future projects? So I am at realizationconsulting.com. That is my, that's my website. And um, there's a, a free stuff section on realizationconsulting.com where you can get a free one-hour class that explains um, the approach that I take in terms of using these... Um, I guess you could say non-dual experiences of consciousness or um, spiritual awakening type experiences, deeper dimensions of consciousness and how those help us heal. Yes, I'll have that link on your podcast profile too. Thank you so much again and we'll talk soon. Awesome. Thanks, Valeria. Bye for now, Mike. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Michael Leiden and his work, please visit realizationconsulting.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.